Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Podcast, where we interview people from inside and outside recruitment to give you ideas to help you on your way to a million pound year. Now, over to Adrian Mansfield, the Million Pound Biller. Hello and welcome to another Million Pound Biller interview podcast. And today I'm very happy to say I'm joined in a follow-up from one of my podcasts from earlier where I talked about the magic number. I'm joined by Alan Smith, who's the founder and CEO of Capital Partners. So Alan, turning it over to you, could you describe who you are and a bit about Capital Partners and the group you work within, please? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me on. Yes, so I started the business that I still run. It's interesting. It's on my agenda because I've just written an article about it because we're 18 years old as of uh, last week. So we finally have gone through the kind of the newborn baby toddler, difficult teenage years, and we're now almost a fully fledged grown up. So yeah, I started this company literally as a one-man band show in a little office above a shop down in Victoria in London. And primarily, we are we're a boutique wealth management business that look after the, the financial affairs of business owners and entrepreneurs and kind of have done from day one and simply grown organically and learned a hell of a lot, I think, about the real, you know, how entrepreneurs tick, what, make, you know, what, what they think about, what their issues and challenges and opportunities are. Because I guess, you know, I am one of them as well. I've, you know, I've, I've gone down that, that particular route myself. I've left the corporate world some years ago and, and had my own little startup, which is just, you know, bit by bit, brick by brick and client by client built up to where we are now, which is, a, you know, a decent sized independent firm. I'm still enjoying the, the work we do and still, still loving helping business owners and entrepreneurs make sense of their finances. Right. So your company is finally old enough to drink, hey? <laughs> Just about, yeah. As long as the pubs stay open and we uh, we're doing sort of lockdowns, um, yeah, you should we should be good. Should be okay. So yeah, so the follow-on to this is, or rather, this is a follow-on to the conversation that I had with Mike Ames before Christmas. And obviously, from my point of view, this podcast is aimed at people who are either currently running their own company or looking to run their own company or looking to get out of their employee status into sort of an entrepreneurial status in recruitment. I think recruitment is a great way to to do that. And what Mike and I talked about briefly was this idea of the magic number being something that you can use as your long-term end goal. But I think one of the things we, Mike certainly mentioned in that conversation was that one of the things you you really need to be doing when you're thinking about that is speaking to somebody like yourself about how that magic number can be achieved. Because it's all very well having a number on paper and having that kind of goal, but we all know there's a, there's a long way between reality in terms of investments and all these sort of things and, and that number so so just tell me a bit about how you currently work with entrepreneurs and other businesses in terms of how their systems are set up and how you talk to people and what it is you do I suppose on a day-to-day basis with people on this basis yeah I mean that's exactly right and it's interesting because I mean it surprises me frankly that even still to this day the work that we do and this and I love the phrase incident it's one that we we use we haven't we don't use it necessarily as consistently but magic number that's a good way of describing it. everyone it's quite intriguing you know, knowing a magic number and, uh, you know, have you got a magic number? And uh, because, you know, everyone should know one and should have one because it's really about a goal, really. It's about an objective mm-hmm. and having, um, knowing what the destination is when you start a business, start and grow your, your business, as opposed to just sort of getting head down, doing work, fingers crossed, hope for the best. And it surprises me that, that not every single wealth advisor and financial planner does this necessarily, but it was something that I discovered pretty early on which was all about this idea, because most of our industry uh, historically has been focused a lot on, I suppose, the functional part of uh, investments, you know, what, you know, fund A is better than fund B, and I'll sort of, I'll I'll do my research, and I'll find you the best portfolio, and so on. 
And that's all well and good. But the analogy I've used in the past is it's like if you're going on a, you know, a long car journey, say, and you sort of, you're getting a new car and setting off. Too much focus in my sector is focused on what petrol to buy. You know, should we buy our petrol from, I don't know, from Esso or from Shell or whatever? And actually, that doesn't really matter that much where you buy your petrol from. What really matters is the destination, where you're trying to get to, when you're trying to get there. Are you going fast? Do you want to take the uh, the scenic route? Are you going alone? Do you want a fast car? Do you need to take people with you? Because it's really all about the journey and the destination. And once we've identified that, where are you today and what does great look like? In the future, there's various sort of tools and techniques we can explore to identify what, you know, to help people identify, you know, what, what their ideal future might look like. Sure, then then we kind of go back and say, well, what is the optimal way of, of finding the fuel and the resources to support that future journey? So what I've you know, discovered and, and learned over the years is just the ability to go through a process with a business owner and really try to identify how they see life working out, you know, five, 10, depending on you know, how old they are, what the circumstances are, what the family situation is and background and so on. But we really need to begin with a destination in mind and a timeline in mind. Mm-hmm. You're building out the roadmap. That's, that's the analogy. I and mean, you know, we, that's what a good proper financial planner will do is, is help you create the, the roadmap and then get you on your way with a specific goal in mind. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the analogy that comes to mind with this is, is the one about the tree, isn't it? The best time to have planted the tree is 20 years ago. The next best time to do it is today. And I think with financial advice and financial planning, it's always the best time to do is to get it done as quickly and early as possible. Or not quickly, that's wrong. Get it done as early as possible because that road becomes a lot easier to travel if you start it when you're yeah, in your 20s you, you, or your 30s or whatever than it is when you're in 50s or whatever. It, it is, but I also recognize that, and again, having gone on the journey myself, when you, certainly if, if you in your startup in your early days, priority number one is not necessarily working with a financial advisor. Priority number one is finding clients and feeding yourself. You know? And in an ideal world, you would, you build a, I never did it, but people talk about building a business plan and so on. A business plan tends to focus, you know, if you had to, if you're borrowing money or going to a bank, you would expect you to write a business plan, but it's very business focused. It's, you know, we, you know, our projections are X and Y and our turnover will be this and our revenue and our profits will be that. Mm-hmm. What we must always recognize that behind a business is, you know, at least one and probably several human beings. Mm-hmm. And this is the interesting part. You know, the, the work that we do, you know, still, after all these years, I still find it really energizing and fascinating because it's really at the intersection of business and personal life and family and money and all, all those other, other things because whatever you do there's an interaction between the person you are when you show up and speak and hire and you know help people recruit and and who you are at home and what the home life is and, and what your if you have got a you know a spouse or a significant other what their ambitions are and just trying to sort of frame that um, and very honestly very few people in my experience ever really do that we're all kind of to some degree you know, human beings are, are sort of on some sort of treadmill. We mm. get up, whether we're working from home or working from wherever, for most of your entrepreneurial life, certainly for the early number of years, it's all about one foot after the other, you know, next piece of business, next client, next opportunity, trying to make an income, trying to make some profit. Yeah. But at some point, you really need to sort of lift your head up and, and, and begin to look around and look over the horizon. In my experience, that it, it can happen when someone turns 40, but it really happens when they turn 50 in my experience. And just they just kind of know, they think, hang on a minute, I've got less work in life ahead of me than I have behind me. Yeah. And, I've, I've, and often it's, and I haven't really done anything about it. I've enjoyed quite a good life and maybe I ought to have a little thought. Now, for sure, it's great if you've done that when you're 25. 
very few people do because yeah i mean you don't know when you're 25 you don't know what you're doing at the weekend never mind what you're doing 30 years from now so it's tricky it's challenging but it's definitely the right thing to do so and i would say reserve the right to change your mind because regardless of what age you are working out what you plan to do you know years and decades from now honestly who knows but we've all got a sort of an intuitive gut feel and and you know what it comes down to at the end of the day the simplistic way of describing this is financial independence that's what it's really all about it doesn't really matter what age you are but everyone would like to have i sent a note earlier on saying that real wealth is measured on the calendar, not the calculator. So what we all really want is to have freedom of our time, what we spend our time doing, who we spend our time with, where we spend our time. And in order to be able to do that, you need to have the resources, bottom line. You know, whatever your lifestyle choice is, whether it's a a very sort of affluent five-star hotel, private jet type lifestyle, or whether it's a more modest camping out and going on, you know, walks in the countryside, doesn't matter. It's up to you. Everyone's lifestyle is different. Mine's is different to yours. Yours is different to the person down the road. But once you've sort of done that level of thinking, works out what is you know a good life, a life well lived, look like, then you've got to kind of reverse engineer and you've got to work out, you know, build the numbers around that. You've got to work out the kind of the detail as to how you could create that, that lifestyle without having to swap your time for money, which is frankly what most of us do. Yeah, we've got to show up, we've got to do something, we've got to do some sort of activity in order to be financially rewarded. So in an ideal world, we're heading to a situation where we don't have to. And at that point, and plenty of people that I work with and clients of ours, they still work. And they don't have to work because they've got the financial independence and security. But A, it's nice. And it's, it's very reassuring to know that you don't have to work. And it almost gives you a sort of in my experience working with clients, it almost gives them a second win. I feel great now. I don't have to do this. So now I'm going to choose the work I really want to do. But the kind of entrepreneurial mindset is not one, in my experience, that make, once you've made a bit of money that you want to sit on the beach and drink pina coladas the rest of your life and play golf every day. But there's a blend. And it's nice to be able to take time out and go traveling, go sailing, you're doing whatever you want to do without necessarily showing up every day and putting in a shift of 12 hours. Just to get oh, the rewards. So that, that's, where we're, that's where we're headed. That, that's, where that's where everyone needs to be headed towards financial freedom, financial independence. And that's otherwise defined as achieving your, your magic number. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know you've listened to some of the podcasts that me and Mike did. I think this is, I told my story in, in that podcast about the company that I set up over 10 years ago now. And I, looking back on it now, not having had that magic number to hand, I went about it the wrong way. I built this company to try and my end goal was to sell it was to get to that stage where somebody would come along and write me a big check and therefore that would have effectively achieved out of my company what I wanted to do. So I put all my eggs into that sales basket, if you like, and therefore didn't actually put that magic number together and think, well, actually, I could do differently than that. I could get to a point where actually, by way of the company, I can get that at least part of the way down, if not, not all the way down the route to my magic number. And then if somebody else comes in and somebody comes in at the end of it and goes, actually, we do like what you've done with your company. Here's a big check for it as well. That becomes an additional benefit to me. But the idea of saying from using my company, and obviously you're right, you know, this isn't a day one job. This is a, once you've got the stability of the foundations underneath you and the business is, you know, trading and you got through that early, using your analogy, you're on that early infant stage, we say that very early stage of, of getting the thing off the ground. But once you've got into that position, then so many of my peers set up companies with the idea to sell them. But actually, there is probably more likelihood that they're going to get better out of it if they turn their head on it and go, actually, this company is now going to become my vehicle to build my investment portfolio, my 
and, and use that magic number goal and working with someone like yourself to then get that process out. And I think certainly from my point of view, if I'd got to that, if I had that back then, I probably would be in a different position now. So no, you're absolutely right. There's and, and you're far from unique in that view, because we read all these wonderful stories about people selling their businesses for millions and millions, and we assume that we'll that was the same will happen to us. And actually, my experience, it depends what industry you're in. A lot of the things like you know, tech startups and, and software businesses, you know, they, they often, if if they got it right, they can do that. They're they're very sort of fast growth create evaluation, often they'll have institutional funding and VC money and so on. And there's a natural exit and a payout for the founders and the owners from that. But a lot more of the professional services businesses, that, that's far less likely. Mm. And therefore, you need to have plan B or plan A, depending on where around you look at it. So yeah, in my experience, I think I've heard Mike talk about this in the past as well, and others should be really familiar with it is there are predominantly two types of business. Well, I mean, I call it a lifestyle business or an enterprise business. I don't think others call cash cow or um, scale business. And you will definitely take a different approach depending on what one you really feel that you are predominantly. If you're an absolute, you know, scale growth enterprise, then every spare penny in the business goes back into the business. It's all about growth because at some point, someone's going to, you hope, excuse the language, but it's shit or bust. It's all about growth and someone's going to write you a check. So you don't really want to take a ton of money out of the business. You want to take money out to live off, but you're not taking a lot more out because often there'll be a, you know, be five to 10 year plan with those ones. And if it works, fantastic. You get a big check and you're good to go. But yeah, depending on what industry you are, the majority are not like that. And therefore a much more lifestyle business or cash cow, you need to be working out uh, how much money do I need to today and tomorrow to pay my bills and how much do I need to salt away into something? We can talk about what, what those some things might be in order to achieve my magic number. And so that the beauty of being a business owner is it's up to you to, to work this out. And I think the work that a firm like us does for clients, it just creates, somebody told me, a client told me a little while ago, he said, you've created an intellectual framework to allow me to make some choices. So we just build, we create these, you know, model where we, we get together with clients and we, they do a big brain dump with us and they say, these are all the things I want to do out of life. And we have a great conversation about it. And it's very kind of interesting. And people get energized about what life might look like down the line. And we say, well, fine, let's put some numbers around it. It's never going to be precise. It can't be. And the very nature of the planning process is it's not precise, but it does give you some guardrails and it gives you some track to run on. If you say, this is what my idea of life looks like, we'll say, well, what are, how much do you think you need every month? you know, hitting your bank account to fund that in today's money, because then we've got to factor in inflation and a number of other issues. And we arrive at a number and we say, right, and what's the timeline? When, when would you ideally like to do that? And of course, everyone's ambitious. Everyone wants to be financially independent yesterday, but let's put, you know, let's be realistic about it. So we, we plug it all into our, you know, we've got some, you know, pretty decent, sophisticated cash flow forecasting software. And there's a lot of moving parts within it. So we plug it all in and people will have kids and they want to sort of, you know, often people do things like, I want to help my kids on the property ladder. I want to, you know, pay for my daughter's wedding. I want to do all these kind of nice things. So, you know, do what you want, plug it all in. And then um, let's see where it takes us. And then once we know that number, if we say, right, realistically, it's 15 years away, it's 25 years away, or whatever it might be, being realistic. And it's, this is the number. So we bring it back down to today. Where are you today? What are you, what are your outside of your business? What are your resources looking like? And it's either, well, nothing. I've got a house, maybe with a mortgage on it. Or it's, yeah, I've got a bit of savings, got a bit of investments. And so, well, again, it doesn't really matter because we just got to identify where we are today. So at that stage, we know where we want to be. 
I mean, where we are today. So we've just got to bridge that gap. There's no guarantees in life, but in order to give you the highest possible opportunity of achieving that, which you've identified as important to you, then this is what it looks like. And in order to do that, you're going to have to save X per year. And the X is either, a mod- you know, if, if you are relatively young and you want to be working for a long, long time, the X per year, per month, whatever, in terms of allocating some, some savings resources can be a relatively modest number. Mm. If, on the other hand, you are a bit older and you'd like to have the opportunity to, to hit financial dependence much sooner, well, you're going, to, you're going to have to accumulate more in terms of resource. That's just basic math, isn't it? But the beauty of being a business owner is you can say, right, I, I'll just make up a number. I need to save 25 grand a year. I need to save 50 grand a year I need to, you know, and, and sort this away and benefit from you know, interest and returns and compounding over the years. All right, well, how am I going to do that? Well, that's kind of up to you to work that out. That, that's, that's you. That's a business advisor. That's your accountant. We can provide support. But it might be you need to put your fees up, for example. It might be you need to just win X more clients per year. Mm. It might be you need to, you know, negotiate some better terms with suppliers, whatever it might be. Because, But once you've got that number, once you know, right, one way or another, I need to find X per year and put it into something and then grow it over the next however many years, then... I'm good to go. Once you know that, I think this is a lot, like a lot of things in life. Once we know what we're supposed to do, we can go and do it. Mm. Most business owners don't really know. They say, well, <laughs> I want to win that new deal. I want to get, I want to win that new business. I want to sign up that new client. I want to, you know, pay the bills, pay myself, have a nice lifestyle. We've got this ongoing dilemma of enjoying life today, but also creating something of a, you know, an opportunity for tomorrow mm. and the day after. And I think that's where the planning process you know, comes in because I'm absolutely not advocating for scrimping and saving and, you know, living, living like a church mouse such that you can have a great retirement in 25 years from now. That, that's not how things ought to work. But it is about a balance. It's about and, you know, enjoying your life today, but making sure that you're preserving and building something for the future. And, and as I say, once in clients I've worked with, once I say, that if you save that amount of money and we increase it by 5% or 10% every year for the next 10 years, then your pot or your, your freedom fund, or your magic number, whatever it is you want to be, then you should be, provided it's invested appropriately. Then you get into the sort of the next level, I suppose, which is about where you, how you allocate it, what the sort of antis- realistic anticipated returns on that capital are going to be, and what are the tax implications of that? Mm. Because again, simplistically, earning 10% a year but paying 40% tax on it is clearly worse than earning 8% a year and not paying any tax on it. That's where I, I guess the, the technical abilities of, of a good financial planner that's the, that's the navigating the route and coming back to the idea of thing. I think it's interesting you talk about the idea of sort of companies and, and goals and things like that. And so often when I speak to recruitment consultants who've either just started out or have been in business for a few years or even some that have been in business for 10 years or more, they have often have very round numbers for their goals for the business. Oh, I want to be an X million pound turnover in a certain period of time and, and, and I want to yeah. be I want to be five million pound turnover next year or whatever yeah. it might be. And, and you ask them what that reason what that number's come from. And 99 times out of 100, it's just go off the top of the head. And what we're talking about here is the ability to say, actually, no, that number gives me this X amount of money into my retirement pot, X amount of money into my investment pot, whatever it might be. And then by doing that, as you say, I think what you're doing there is you're creating a really strong driver for delivering that number. Because if you just pick a number off the top of your head and go, I'm gonna, I want to get 10 million quid next year, it's very easy to walk away from that and go, well, we hit five, we didn't get 10, but I was, you know, it was only a number I picked off my head. But if by 10 million's worth of turnover, you get, 200,000 into your retirement pot, it becomes much more crystallized as a, as a, as a number that you're going to 
go for an attack. Well, completely. And, and what, what happens is that people just, I've said it before, but people get energised by it. I mean, what, we I go through various processes because it's, a bit, it's very, my, my line of work is an art and a science. The science is all about number crunching. And, you know, you would expect a firm like us to be good at that. We can really delve into the data, the facts, the numbers, and the Excel spreadsheets and all sorts of things in the forecasting software. But the other side of that coin is the, the human element. Is the, the human being, is the families, the emotions, is the opportunities and all that. And we've all got a history. We all arrive at this conversation with our with baggage and just various things that happened to us through our, our childhood and our upbringing and when we got started in business. And something, you know, using your, your example there, Adrian, just the, um, you know, going after a £5 million turnover, a £10 million turnover, often, and they're often, in my experience, men who say that because it's an ego thing, because they're, they're, they're friend built a business that size, and there's no real context around it. So what I'll do sometimes is say that there's an exercise, again, you can check this out online elsewhere. It's called perfect average day exercise. And it's not about, you know, it's just describe to me what your, your perfect day, but a perfect average day. So it's not saying I'm, you know, laying on the beach and, you know, drinking cocktails. It's, no, it's a normal day and I get up at a certain time of the day and I do this and I have this for breakfast. This is who I hang out with. This is where, this is what I do. And you take it all the way through until, you know, nighttime. You say, and so I've got a bed about X and this is what I... And something that you'd be happy to repeat day after day after day and you'd love it. And it'd just be, oh, if I had that, you know, tell me, describe the house you live in. Describe, you know, describe what the bedrooms look like. Describe, you know, what car do you drive? If you drive a car, you know, where literally where, where in the world do you live? And you get people really thinking about that and their imagination can run, run wild. They say, okay, well, what that, that's, that's life. That's your ideal future, as you described. And of course, there'll be other things. You'll have travel and holidays and stuff. But this is, this, this is the sort of thing that you would do on a daily basis. And then you bring it back now to reality. And so back to your, you know, your, your guy there with the, I want to build a 10 million pound turnover, a 5 million pound turnover. Well, it might well be that, look, if you build a 4 million pound turnover business, and you, and, but over the next X number of years, you're able to extract this amount of money from it, then the chances are you can achieve that ideal lifestyle. Mm. And so therefore, do you really want to build a 10 million pound business? Because all the, you know, the sacrifices you like to have to make and, and maybe the risks and, and all that sort of stuff, maybe you don't want to. Maybe you do, I don't know, but all of a sudden you've got context and you're able to make that decision. And very often people will say, no, if I'm able to achieve that, so I'm sort of, I'm, I'm crossing the line just between the, the, these kind of mythical numbers and turnover and profit and so on and say, no, because at the end of the day, what's it all about? At the end of the day, all this is about achieving a lifestyle that you aspire to have. You may already have it to some degree, but we're still talking about business owners who are sort of head down building and creating things. And so what they haven't got is, is freedom of time. Yeah, They have to show up every day and do something. So when you've got freedom of time, I was suggesting before, and you still say, yeah, but I'll still, I will still work two days a week. I still do, or I still work, you know, six months of the year and I travel or whatever it might be. But you tell me that and then we'll, we'll work out the numbers. And the thing is, I say, there's a few fun exercises that people can do but that, that most of us just don't spend time because, you know, the business books tell us it's all about, you know, these buzzwords, scale and, and <laughs> scale up, you know, grow and profits and all that sort of stuff. And all true, but you need to put it in context with what is important to your own set of circumstances. I think that's I think that's a crucial point, isn't it? At the end of the day, if you're taking that leap of faith and going out on your own into a business that you're going to run and you're going to own and you're going to manage, it's different. It's an entirely different concept in your head about what that business is for. When you're working for somebody else, then you're 
you're effectively responsible for delivering their targets and their end goals. And that may get you to some of your end goals. But the moment you step out and put your own shill up, your own front company up and go, right, this is me now, that company has to deliver to what you want. And that's crucial. Otherwise, you end up chasing everybody else's goals. And that's that's never going to get to where you want to be successful or happy. So, Well, exactly. Well, the, the analogy I often think about, this is about keeping score. That's what this is about. But keeping score against a realistic objective, not just keeping score against turnover and growth and, and all that sort of stuff. That's a part of it. But this, the scorecard is around ideal, perfect lifestyle. Mm. Uh, describe it as it is. And I often say, if you if you turned on a football match or rugby match or something on the telly and you and you knew it was sort of halfway through, what's the first thing you do? The first thing you do is look for the score mm. and the time. Because then that puts it in context. If you're watching and your team is losing 1-0 with three minutes to go, you think, you think there's certain things that my team needs to do now and the manager and the coach is doing and if, if you're six nil up and there's, you know, half an hour to go. So in other words, where you are right now in terms of your scorecard and also where you are in terms of your timeline, those are important things. And without that, it's all a little bit, you know, it, it, is, it is like playing football or playing tennis without a net or just, or just kicking stuff around or going in a car journey without any sort of particular destination. It's fine to do it. It might be a bit of a laugh, a bit of fun and so on, but we need to have a scorecard. We need to know what we're trying to do and in what sort of timescale. And I think and I'm often reminded of clients that we were introduced to a few years ago and they were, now they were getting on a bit, they wouldn't mind me saying, and they were still, they were still just working. There was a husband and wife and they were just working all the hours under the sun. And they had someone approached them actually to buy their business from them. They saved, they saved a bit of money. This, this is the point. They were more of that kind of lifestyle business and they had saved a reasonable amount of money over time and then somebody a company was going to pay them write them a check to buy the business from them and before we got involved their accountant had said no your business is worth more than that um so hold on so they're okay yeah fine fine we'll hold on and they carry on for another year or two i find all, all the stuff after we met them and they were they kind of you know in a way that they, they were getting they were killing themselves they were working at you know they were doing their accounts on a sunday morning and all that sort of stuff and they were yeah. just not enjoying it anymore it was just it was year after year after year and so, long story short, we get introduced to them. So we build out this thing. We, we call it, the, the way that we arrive at the magic number, we've got a process, we call it, you build your future map. And it is, you know, it does what it says on the tin. It's the map of your future. And it's a very visual experience. We use technology, we, you know, the days we can, we, we were showing it in our office on big widescreen projectors and so on. And well, now we can, we can do screen share on Zoom. But all of a sudden, it's very engaging because it's kind of where you are now and what you look like. And what, what we discovered pretty quickly is, well, you could have retired five years ago. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what you could walk away from your business and have nothing for it. And you, I mean, that not necessarily that's what you want to do because there's a value there. But just because your accountant has told you that it's worth more than that doesn't mean because the point being is no scorecard. I don't know what the score is. I don't know how long. I, well, I, don't, I tell you, they were thinking, I haven't got long to go because I can't carry on at this pace because I'm actually making myself ill. So you kind of reverse that out. You work out, tell me, describe your ideal lifestyle. And they, you know, they love to do, you know, re- relatively cheaper things. They love walking and, you know, being in the countryside and all that sort of stuff. So you plug all that stuff in and say, how much do you need to, to um, support that lifestyle? Here it all is. Well, and how much have you got saved? And how much, is, how much could you sell your business for now, realistically? Well, you've got more than enough. There's the evidence. There's the facts. They went, God, you know, I wish we'd met you 10 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the point we all need. A lot of the big decisions we need, that's what we make in life. We need to do them within the framework of you know, the context of it, as opposed to just, 
your business is worth more than that or get to 10 million turnover. Yeah. Why? For what? What's the purpose? I think that's an amazing analogy, that perfect average day, because, you know, we are so ingrained nowadays to be chasing the, the latest of this, or the, the Instagram type, particularly some of our younger listeners, perhaps see the Instagram yeah. sort of model, ideal of the day. But actually, you know, if you sit down in your quiet moment, and just go, well, what would be my average day? What would I like to do? What would I, you know, for me, it might be the ability to go and play golf whenever I want to, with yeah. a nice golf, all those sort of things. And then you suddenly come back to it and go, actually, I'd be quite happy with that. I don't need to be flying around the world and, and dripping in diamonds and all that sort of stuff. And, and most people don't, frankly, do they? Let's face it. Most people most people don't. But the beauty of it is if you genuinely do, and it is, it's, it's an authentic conversation to have with oneself, look yourself in the mirror and say, do I want to be flying around in a Learjet uh, dripping in diamonds? And if you say, absolutely, I do. I just want to do that. Now, I suspect, you know, two months of that and you'll want to stop doing it based on some of the stories I'm aware of. But well, fine, if that's what you want to do, right, right. In order for you to have half a chance of achieving that based on where you are today, you need to save a hell of a lot of money or you need to sell this business for a ton of money. And it's possible to do that. And here's what you need to do. And if you want to go after that, and don't get me wrong, some people are absolutely relentless and they're driven to do that, then fine. But as you say, the vast you know, 95% of people don't want that. What we want to have, as I say, everything just comes back to this idea of time freedom. Mm-hmm. We do want, don't, yeah, we want nice, we want to live in a nice home we want to be able to have nice things as we as we judge it to be but i mean if you had all the you know all the money in the world and all the nice cars and flash things and so on but you're still having to work 12 hours a day seven days a week then what's the point of that it doesn't make, make any sense so that's the process to go through we, you know, I, I think in the vast majority of people that i've ever worked with you do want a nice comfortable lifestyle but you want freedom to decide what you, you know, on a, on a Sunday night, what's my week looking like? Yes, I still want to have a few meetings. I want to get involved with the team and grow the business and do some sort of strategic work. But I don't want to really want to be notes to the grindstone, you know, every day, day after day, year after year. So I think everyone kind of gets that point, really. But, but the reality is that I've worked with hundreds of business owners over the years. And the ones that get this are few and far between. Hmm. Uh, right from the very beginning once we have the conversation the penny drops because yeah actually you got a point i just had an idea i want to start a business and change the world you know i had us yeah i was really ambitious i wanted to you know and i was happy to sort of roll my sleeves up yeah. and do the work necessary and all we need to do at that stage is pause for breath and then look for the and, and you know, back to this idea of identifying ideal perfect future and then, so we've talked a lot about the concept of this but just to sort of put it into some some direct sort of context, if you will. I mean, we talked before about the, there must be some examples that you've come across of the sort of the good and the bad of this sort of business planning or planning for the future type scenario. Or I mean, you mentioned that couple there that are sort of, if you like, tripping over themselves to try and get more money out of a company that they could have quite comfortably sort of wandered off into the distance a couple of years before. So, Well, yes, so that's, <clears throat> that's one example of someone who just didn't have the, the sort of decision-making framework and were just listening to other people tell them to keep working. So, I mean, that, 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 that's a positive story in the end, albeit they probably uh, wish they could have slowed down or, or stopped some years before that. It's funny. I, I remember this, this other, another business owner who came to see me and, and he had, he'd left it pretty late. And again, he, you know, that, that, that this, he was over 50 and he comes and says, right, I really need to be thinking about it. And I came to see me and he had practically no savings uh, by that point. And he'd enjoyed a good, quality of life, the nice house in London, and he saved next to nothing. And he, he had some pension plans that he'd taken out donkey's years ago that somebody had sold to him, and he didn't have much money in them. 
And I remember him getting really angry, come, coming to see me and saying, these pensions, they're rubbish, aren't they? They're absolutely rubbish. I thought, a pension is just a, a tax efficient way of saving money. The fact yeah. that you, you put next to nothing into it, that's what's rubbish, my friend. Um, <laughs> you know, don't blame the product itself. The yeah. pensions, like everything, are there's good and bad and indifferent. But he was very angry with it, with the fact that he hadn't saved enough money. So that was that was a tricky one. But we did what that meant in reality was there was no opportunity for him if he wanted to maintain the lifestyle that he'd enjoyed. There was you know, the, again back to the you know crunch the numbers. There's no way he could walk away from his business because there wasn't a, a resource or a pot of money or whatever it might be to support his lifestyle. But at least better late than never, because we sat down, myself and my team, and we built a plan, and we said, and it became a 10-year plan. Yeah. We said, right, if you do this, this, and this, and you're really going to have to work and squeeze a bit more money out of your business, but then you allocate it to your own private savings and investments, and if we're able to get this sort of return on it, and we're really smart around tax efficiency and so on, then you've got a chance. All of a sudden, he's again, he's, he's focused again. He said, right, fine, I get it. I understand what I'm supposed to do now. It's my job now to, to, to do this. So he went back and he did. He negotiated contracts with suppliers. He was absolutely focused. That's the thing about life, isn't it? Once you've got a focus, once you know you've got something to do, the entrepreneurial mindset kicks in. The reason that you started a business in the first place, the stuff that really got you excited, well, now you've got to take care of yourself. And, and I often say that it's probably it's the number one job of, a, of an entrepreneur to create economic security for their family. That's, you know, this, it's all well and good, you know, flying high and earning money and so on. But you need to create this, this structure whereby if you live to be 110, you've got enough money. If you die tomorrow, you've got enough money or your family's got enough money. So that, that means a comprehensive package of insurance and savings and long-term yeah. structures. And, and again, I'm, I'm fairly neutral about how you achieve it. We've got our, our ideas in terms of what's the more efficient a more sensible way of doing it. But if you're into buying property or, or I don't know, crypto, you know, that, that's the fuel. And then we'll have a conversation about, you know, the, the pros and cons and the, the risks and rewards and so on from that sort of uh, approach. But bottom line is, as you build your business, you need a side business. And that side business is kind of your own future outside of the business. Because there's something I say to all business owners, and it gets to the kind of it gets them confused at the first instance. And even if you're just a startup business, or regardless of where you are on your entrepreneurial journey, the truth is you are leaving your business one day. You're absolutely leaving the business. And whether you're going to walk out, be pushed out, be bought out, or be carried out, you know, you're leaving your business. Yeah. And you'd rather, in an ideal world, you'd rather be, you're great to be bought up. Someone writes you a nice check for the business. Uh, be good to walk out with you know sufficient assets and savings and investments such you can happily walk out of the business and leave it leave it behind. But you definitely don't want to be carried out. Yeah. So in order for that to be true, you need you need a plan. You just yeah. you need this idea of you need a, a a financial life plan is the word that we use, which is a combination of your business life and your private life and your personal life. And what spins out of that, as I said earlier, is is your roadmap, and then it's up to you to create. A sense of financial independence through you know various various means and yes and it's not i'm not pitching for business or anything but it does make a lot of difference if you're able to have this kind of this a relationship with what i call a trusted advisor someone who gets you who understands you is able to coach you and mentor you along the way in order that to keep you on track i suppose because the one thing about 
you know, most of the business owners I've met, we've, kind of, we've, all, we've all got ADHD. We're all looking out the next shiny, shiny object, the next exciting thing. So to have somebody in your camp who kind of gets you, understands you, and, um, and can coach you and mentor you and sort of talk you off the ledge when you want to do some crazy self-destructive stuff because you've got a new business idea and says, fine, don't forget, we've got a plan here. Yeah. And, and, does, and does this idea, this initiative that you think is the best thing to slice bread, does that move us towards the plan or away from the plan? And sometimes you go, yeah, you're right. It doesn't help, so let's not do it right now. Fine. Having a good relationship with a trust advisor can definitely help keep keep you on track along that along that future roadmap. Absolutely, echo that. I think that's one of the things that we've from an advisor circle, that group of people that you go to with these sort of these sort of questions. Something some might be business, some might be financial, like yourself, and then that ability to to rely on those people to be able to talk you in or to or to push you on because sometimes it might be actually, yeah, okay. If that's going to get yeah. you to this thing 18 months quicker or two years quicker and you're, you can see the value in it, let's, let's go ahead and do it. It's, it's, it's on the plan. It's in the plan. Or it will meet the plan or it will deliver the – then do it. If it's a nice – as you say, if it's a shiny item that's just going to take you off over to somewhere completely different, then then don't do it. But that that circle of people that you have around you, I think, is really, really key to this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I think having somebody that genuinely cares about yourself – you. They care about your financial future, but they're not emotionally engaged with it. That's the point. All of us, we, you know, we, we, we can't help ourselves because we are a human being. So we think about things often, and there's, there's, there's so much evidence about this, this kind of all, whole kind of behavioral approach. You know, we're not rational. We often, as human beings, with the best of intentions, we do things which are not necessarily in our best interests. So to have somebody or a, or a group of people, you know, all, all the most successful people in the world, whether it's business or sport or anything else, they surround themselves with coaches, advisors, supporters who care about that person's future, but they're they're more rational, they're objective, they're able to say that's you're making the right. I, I use another phrase: is having a critical friend. You know, what you want is to have a friend. All of us, never mind about business. You want a friend's going to tell you the truth. It's going to tell you, you know, when you're having lunch, maybe you've got spinach in your teeth. As opposed to, I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to say anything because it might upset that person. You want to be told the unvarnished truth by somebody mm. when it's in your best interest. And whether that is, listen, you're, you're not on track to achieve your, your magic number. You need to double down. You need to work harder. You need to grow the business. You need to extract more profits from the business. Or, look, you're, you're fine. You're good to go. Everything's in good shape. Carry on doing what you're doing. But here's another couple of ideas that you might want to think about. Here's some thoughts around tax efficiency or allocating resources to something else. That, that absolutely is something that I think any business owner would benefit from having this, you know, this internal circle. Absolutely. Well, Alan, we've come to the end of our, the allotted time. Thank you very much for spending so much time with it. I think it's been, you know, I've learned a lot and I'm certain that people out there would have done so as well. So if people are interested in, as, as we, as you said, it's not, this isn't a particular sales pitch, but I'm sure there will be people that are interested in sort of picking up the phone or, or having a chat to you or, or one of your team. But what's the yeah. best way for them to get, to get reach you or get contact with you? Well, on our, our website is, is capital.co.uk, so www.capital.co.uk. I'm fairly active and I write little blogs and articles and stuff about this whole thing we'll be talking about by Twitter. My Twitter handle is Alan J.L. Smith, Alan J.L. Smith on Twitter. People could follow me there, check me out, or as I say, just track us through the website. Great stuff. Well, I'll make sure that both of those two are linked in the show notes so that if people want to find you, they can go through both of those to, uh, to find you. And once again, I want to thank you very much for the, uh, for the time and, and, and the information you've provided to the, to the people and the listeners out there. It's been, it's been really interesting for me, so I'm hoping it will be for them as well, and I'm sure it will be. So thanks again, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having me.